frequency. We talked about how to prepare to hear the voice of the Lord. Well, today I want to talk to you, uh, just adding on to that on, in John chapter 10, really is where we get our text for the whole series. John chapter 10 and verse 3, it says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he was brought out all his, when he was brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they ne- they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will never they will run away from because of him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. It says the sheep they know the shepherd's voice. They know his voice. They recognize the voice, and because they recognize his voice. They follow him. I believe this. I think this is true with this scripture right here. It's very difficult to be a follower of Christ if we are not able to hear Christ. If we don't hear God's voice, it's very hard to follow God's voice. And so it's so vital as Christians, as believers, people that say we want to follow God and be Christians, Christ-like, that we would be people that hear the voice of God. That being said, in Luke chapter 8 and verse 8, it says, He who hears, or he who has ears to hear... Let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He or he or she who has ears to hear, let him hear. I believe this as we see this scripture. We, are, we, don't, be, we, don't, we don't believe here at Experience Church that we, have a, we serve a God or have a God that we follow that has a speaking problem. We don't believe that he has a problem speaking. We believe he's a God that continually speaks. He's a God that desires to speak. He's a God that opens his, heart, his mouth and desires to speak to our hearts and our lives. And it says, but he who has ears, let him hear. God doesn't have a speaking problem. Most times, not most times, all times, we have a hearing problem. So we as Christians, it's not that God, we need you to speak more. No, it's God, we need to hear you more. Because God is a speaking God. We always say things like when we pray, God, speak to me. God, where do you want me to go with my life? God, what's my next step? God, where are you? God, speak to me. Well, here's the thing. God is speaking. It's just, are we aligned with his heart to where we're hearing his voice? God doesn't have a speaking problem. We have a hearing problem. So it's on us to say, God, help us to realign, reshift, to refocus to where we would be able to hear your voice in every season of our lives. This is why we're talking about this series, we're talking about frequency. I believe it's so vital that we would be people that understand the importance of hearing his voice, but then also understanding and knowing how to hear his voice. I want to talk to you today. Last week we talked about preparing to hear. Today I want to talk to you about this topic right here. He speaks, but to who? He speaks, but to who? We know he's a speaking God. We know he's a God that speaks. We know he's a God that wants us to hear him. But who does he really speak to? Who is it that he, that he desires to speak to in our lives? And I want to show it to you. I'm going to break this down. I believe I'll show it to you in this text really who God speaks to uh, on this planet. In 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1, this is a story of Samuel. This is when he was just a young boy. Many of you know the story of Samuel. He was a prophet, a mighty man of God. Well, this is the beginning season or stages of his life. The Bible says that Samuel, the boy, served the Lord by assisting Eli. Eli was the priest. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, the priest, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he couldn't barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. Come on, somebody. Aren't you happy that God's light is still on and shining bright? Come on. Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. 
Next scripture, please. Uh, then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and he, li- he lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. He said, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling at, his, at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, your servant is listening. God goes on and begins to speak to him about the future and about things coming, that are going to come to pass. But in this story, it's interesting as we see that Samuel is a young boy and he's serving in the house of the Lord. He's serving the temple. He's serving the priest. And the Bible says that he's laying down and Samuel is very old. And the Bible says he's losing his vision and he's, they're, sleep, they're going to sleep. And the Bible says that God calls to Samuel, calls him by name, Samuel. Then Eli, I mean Samuel, just thinking that it's Eli being called by Eli, he wants to serve Eli. He runs to Eli and he says, sir, yes, sir, what can I do for you, sir? How can I serve you, sir? And, and Samuel being old and kind of out of it, he's like, what are you talking about? I didn't call you. Go back to sleep, young boy. You're dreaming. You know what I'm saying? You ate too much pizza. You know what I'm saying? Does it again, same thing. He yells, Samuel. God yells, calls Samuel. Samuel gets up quickly. He goes to, he goes to Eli. Eli, of course, at this point, he's probably like, man, this kid needs to go to sleep. He's waking me up. He tells him to go back, lay down. Does it again. Third time, Samuel says this. He realizes God's speaking to Eli. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back, and when you go back and you lay down, if you hear your name being called again, tell the Lord your servant is listening. So, God, so Samuel goes down, and I can imagine the anticipation of Samuel. He's realizing God is that trying to speak to me about me. So Samuel goes and lays back down. Y'all know how it is. You kind of got jitters about the next day when you have something exciting happen. You can't really sleep. You're thinking about it. You know, you're all right. And he hears Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel says, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak. And God begins to speak to him. In this scripture, in this text, I love this scripture so much. So I see a few people that God speaks to. And I want to share it with you and show it to you that I believe how God will speak to us in our lives today. First Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, The boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There, was, there were not many visions. The boy. God speaks to children. God speaks to children. Now, when we think of children, we're pro- you're probably thinking, oh, well, he's speaking to my child. Now, I do agree. I think God gives visions and, dr- and dreams and, and, sh- and speaks to our children, yes. But what we're talking about here today, when we say he speaks to children, where he speaks to people that have childlike faith. The Bible says, if you want to read it with me, in Luke chapter 18, this is Jesus speaking, and Jesus is hanging out with the disciples, and children are coming to him, and the disciples are saying, no, hold off, hold off. You can't spend time with Jesus. Back off. He's too busy. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these. It doesn't say the kingdom of God or is or who are, belongs to people who are these children. 
It says the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. The Bible often talks about us having childlike faith. If you, have, if you have a child or you had a child that was young or you know a child that's young, you know what childlike means. We're not talking about childish. Childish is immaturity, but actual childlike is maturity in our faith. Isn't it interesting that oftentimes as we mature in our faith, we become less dependent on God and more dependent on our own routines and our own selves? See, as children, as, ch as being childlike, see, children are dependent on their parents. We are to be Christians, believers, young people and older people and every person in between. We are to be people that say, God, we wanted to be dependent on you first, not ourselves. Not our own way of thinking, not our own experiences, not our own knowledges. God, we want to be, be dependent on you for all things in our lives. As a child, you know, you hang around a child. You know, one thing I love about children is they have such wonder about the world. They have this great wonder about every experience that they experience. Like, you ever taken a child to Disney World? Oh my gosh, you would have thought we made it to heaven. That kid's going around like, <sighs> you ever taken a child to the McDonald's playground? You would have thought we made it to heaven. That kid gets in the, he just gets excited. Why? Because the wonder of just the amazing, and you know as a kid, y'all, you know, you do something as a kid and you go back and do it as an adult and you think, man, it was so much better and bigger when I was a kid. Things are just so much greater and because there's, there's such wonder that wonder, wonder, not wonder, wonder that comes from a child's heart. This is how God desires for us to be towards him. There should be this wonder. Oh my goodness, I'm going to preach for a second. There should be such wonder about his word. Isn't it interesting that our knowledge and our experiences actually cause us to lose wonder in the word? We start to say things and think things like this. I've heard this story before. I've read this before. Oh yeah, yeah, I know this. Oh, you know what, this message... I've heard this message before. Oh, yeah, this song, this song's kind of old. Or this song's kind of, oh, yeah. And what happens? We lose the wonder from our own experiences and our own routines. And this is why God says, no, 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 no. I don't want you to live that way. I want you to live in such a way where there's always a wonder to the things of God. There should be always this excitement about us coming into the house of the Lord and be able to worship and gather. Why? Because there's this wonder of his presence. There should always be this wonder when we open this word of, oh yeah, I may have read the, the, the Bible from front to cover, but here, back to front, front, back, right to front. I may have read it, but here's what I know. I know that the story, even though I've read it before, I know the word is alive. And so there's this wonder. Why? Because God's going to speak to me about me and my situation in my life there's this wonder this childlike faith there has to be a wonder we have to get back to oh my goodness we have to get back to as christians as believers for those of us that are older and especially have grown up in church we have to get back to the wonder of our first love with christ the wonder of his love we are never too old we are never too experienced we are never too knowledgeable for the wonders of his love and his grace in our lives, a childlike faith. And here's what happens. 
when we have the wonder of his word. We have the wonder of his presence. We have the wonder of worship. Here's what happens. Our hearts are open to receive his voice in our lives. See, we can sometimes miss because we're so knowledgeable of his word, because we've heard the message before, because we've heard this topic before, because we've, t- we've read this scripture before, because we've been in this situation with this, the presence before. We can miss because we're thinking, oh yeah, we've, done, we've, we've seen this before. We can miss what God is trying to say. It could be something so elementary, but because our wanderer has been gone, we can miss what God is trying to say. God speaks to his children. Another thing about children I love, they have such trust in their parents. They have such trust. Dad says jump. Okay, let's jump. Let's see what happens. They just jump. There's such trust. It's the same thing with you and I. When God says tr- jump in our experiences, in our knowledge, in our own maturity of natural life, here's what happens. He says jump and we're like, mm, I don't know. I don't really like that. That doesn't really make sense to me. Well, how am I going to make money if I do that? Well, how am I going to pay for this bill? Well, God, you're asking me to give, but God, I don't make enough to give 10%. So God, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is going to work out. In my brain, it's not going to work out. It's not supposed to work out in your brain. Here's what's going to happen. If the kid didn't trust the dad, he, the kid would drown. But the kid knows dad's going to catch me. So I'm going to trust dad because I know he's a good dad and he loves me. We serve a God when he says jump, when he says give, when he says serve. Yes, sir. Why? Because God, I know you're a good God and you're only going to ask me to jump if I know when I jump, you're going to catch me. We serve a good God. We've lost as as a society, we've lost the childlike faith that we all should desire to have in our lives. Especially for those that grew up in church. Oh my goodness, you know I'm talking to you because I'm talking to me. You know what I'm saying? We've, we've heard it all. We've seen it all. We've done it all. We know. We've been through every revival service and tent service and prayer service and, and fasting and praying and worship. And we've done it all. And what can happen is it can cause us to lose the wonder and the trust to where we can say, God, we trust. And here's what happens. God, when I jump, for some crazy reason, when I jump, God begins to speak to me. In the midst of my un- uncertainty, God brings peace and speaks to my, cert- to my heart about my situation. You want to hear God? Childlike faith. Let us get back to the wonder and the trust of the childlike faith. I love children. Another thing that they do, I love it. That he speaks to children. You know, children, they, 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 they live in the present. Yesterday was yesterday and today's today. And tomorrow, we don't even know about tomorrow. We don't even have the concept of tomorrow. They live in the present. You know, I, I believe this. I believe spiritual maturity is the ability to be able to live in the present. Spiritual immaturity is being childish in our lives and saying we're so concerned about all these different things that we're not able to just live in the present. Spiritual maturity, I really do believe, is being able to say, I'm not going to be consumed about all these things going on around me or tomorrow or all these things. All I'm going to do is live my life, trust God, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live for today because God has given me today. Not going to worry about tomorrow. The Bible even says, Jesus talks about it. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, worry about itself. Y'all know, we worry tomorrow, tomorrow. 
I'm going to live in the present. Why? Because I had the, I, I the ability to be able to say, God, I want to have child life. I want to be like a child. If you ever hung out with a child, you know, one of our friends, they said their, their, their child's in the season of where everything they do, she says, this is the best day of my life. They say they take her to eat ice cream. Dad, best day of my life. They take her to the gym and, and, work, and like, not the gym, but like the little like, like bouncy house thing. I'm not a dad yet. You know what I'm saying? I'll figure it out. They, they take her to the, like the little places where they had like the trampolines. They're like, dad, this is the best day of my life. Oh, dad, it's the best day. It's the best day. It's the best day. Just driving on in the car. We're just riding along in the car. Dad, this is the best day of my life. All we're doing is riding in the car. What you talking about? Has some other friends that, you know, they would said they were riding in the car and their, their son said they turned to their, their daughter and he said, you ruined my life. You ruined it. They're living in the present so much so that today's the best day or today's the worst day. You know what I'm saying? But here's what I know, and I'm, I know it's just funny and children are funny, but here's what I know, that we should be childlike in the, in the, in the matter of where we say, God, I want to live in the present. I want to be here. And why is this important about hearing his voice? Because here's what I know. When I'm here, I can hear what people are saying. When I'm not present and Ashley is talking, for those of you in the room, you know what I'm talking about. You can be distracted with work, or you can be distracted with what's going on around you. You could be watching TV. You could be thinking about something. And you're there, but you're not there. Just me. Cool. All right, no worries. I'll pray afterwards about for myself. And what can happen is, even though I'm there, Ashley can begin to speak, and at some point she'll be like, hey, you listening to me? And I'm like, Yes, I heard you. She's like, repeat what I said. Let me pray real quick. I need God to speak to me. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. When I'm present, I can hear her voice. It's the same thing with God. Why does God want us to be present and not worry about tomorrow? Because if we worry so much about tomorrow, we'll hear the worries of tomorrow. Then we'll miss what he's saying today. We should be a people that are such childlike that we say we want to live in the present. Not in the way of where we're saying we're living in every, for the moment of YOLO and all that stuff where we just can do whatever we want. No, we want to be present for today. Why? Because as I'm present, I can hear his voice for today. We'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, and guess what? When tomorrow comes, he'll speak tomorrow. But I want to hear him today, so I want to be present with where I am. We have to get back to the childlike faith. The, the Bible says that he was a boy. His name was Samuel, and he was just a young boy. The Bible says he was around 12 years old, maybe a little bit younger. The theologians believe, and here's what we know. He was a child, and the Bible says that childlike faith, those that, those that are, like childlike, are, like, are like children, will enter and belong to the kingdom of God. You want to hear his voice? I want to hear his voice. If we want to hear his voice, those watching online, we have to get back. To childlike faith. First Samuel chapter three and verse one, it says, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli in those days. The word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. He speaks to children, but he also speaks to servants. He speaks to children, but he speaks to servants. First Samuel chapter three and verse 10, the Lord came and stood there calling at the other times, as the other times, Samuel, Samuel, then the Lord, and then Samuel said, excuse me, speak, your servant is listening. 
Many of you know the story of Samuel. His mother had prayed for a child for many years, and his mother was barren. She goes to the, the temple, and she gets, she gets prayed over, and the, 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 the priest says, go home. He says, you, you're going to have a child. She, she ends up having the child, and she commits Samuel, before he's even born, that he will serve in the house of the Lord. The Bible says that Samuel gets to the age of where she, he, he can start to serve, and she gives him to the temple, and he lives there. He lives his life as a servant to the Lord. You know, oftentimes we talk about serving, we talk about the heart of serving, and we talk about desiring to serve, but I do know this, and we're talking, when we talk about speaking to those God speaks to and hearing the voice of God, I do know this, when I serve, for some crazy reason, God just speaks. When I'm thinking less about myself, God speaks to me about myself. It's countercultural. Culturally, countercultural. Cultural will say this. It'll say, think about yourself, focus on yourself, and then you'll figure yourself out. But God says the exact opposite. God says, focus on me. Focus on, on, on obeying him and obeying and honoring him and serving his people. And then as we do that, God begins to speak to us about our lives and our situations. I don't know what it is. It's spiritual. I can't explain it. But I do know this. When I have a heart to serve and when I begin to serve, God begins to speak to me. You want to hear God's voice? Serve. Serve him and serve others. And what does serving really look like? Serving, I wrote this down, really serving is saying, I'm going to have a heart of a servant, which is what? It's a heart of humility. A heart of humility that says, God, and here's, let me, let me, let me, let me talk to you about, because we talk about pride and humility a lot. You know, let me talk to you about humility for a second. What is humility? Humility is this. Humility, I believe, when we're talking about the Lord, humility is this. God, I just want to walk in obedience to you. I want to walk in obedience to you. It's an act and a walk of obedience. Here's what's cool about Samuel. Samuel, when he was serving, he didn't wait for an opportunity to serve. He didn't wait for the church to do an outreach. He didn't wait till a small group served. He didn't just say, okay, on Sundays I'm going to serve. Here's what he did. He says, I want my life to be a life of obedience. You know, serving is here. I'm going to talk to you just for a second. Servant is not, serving is not an event. Serving is not a Sunday morning. Serving, when we're talking about really living a life of serving, living a life of obedience, it's not an event. It's not a Sunday morning. It's not, it's not a Wednesday night. It's not a Tuesday. It, serving is not an outreach. It's not, it's not getting all those. Those things are all great. But a lifestyle of servant is, serving is this. It's walking out and living in obedience to God. I want everything that he says, that he speaks, I want to walk it out and live the way he's asked me to live. This is serving Christ. I'm honoring him with my life. And this is what Samuel did. Isn't it interesting that Samuel is spoken to by God? Now, you may know the text and you may know the culture back then, but God didn't speak to just random people. In fact, there was order. I believe this. God is a God of order. And God would speak through the order of this. He would speak to the priests. Then the priest would speak to the people. Then the people would speak to the priests. And then the priests would go back and speak to God. Isn't it interesting that Eli is in the same building? He's the priest. And God chooses to not speak to Eli. He speaks to Samuel. Isn't it interesting that he skips, if you will, the order that God had set up. Why is this? This is what I believe. Samuel was living his life as a life of obedience, serving God. 
And if you read the story in the text of what Eli was doing, his sons were disobeying and he never corrected them and he never got in. And so here's what happened. Eli was now serving out of religious obligation. He was the priest. Because of his religious obligation, God said, you know what? I'm gonna choose to speak to somebody else who's living a life of obedience. See, when we serve God out of religious obligation, when we read the word, I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna preach for a second. When we read the Bible, because we're trying to check the box, because we wanna do it today, because we wanna get that devotion done. When we come to church, because we want our spouse to feel good about us and want her to think and want him to think that we're kind of living right, you know, doing the right things. When we come to church, because we want our friends to know that we're at church. We come to church because we got that boo that we want her to know that we're raising our hands and lifting, mm, you see me, girl, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we come to church, when we do these things out of religious obligation, here's what happens. We miss the voice of God. God is looking for people that say, I want to serve you with my life. And as I serve you with my life, here's what God does. He speaks. You want to hear God? Serve him with your heart and your life. Live a life and with a lifestyle of obedience in our lives. I know this, I know this, I know this. It's so important. And here's what happens when we do that. When we get to the place of where we begin to walk out in obedience, God begins to speak to us. And here's what happens. It, uh, it unlocks the things that we're looking for in the future. It unlocks the blessing and the things in our lives when we are willing to begin to just hear his voice, serve his heart, and live out a life of obedience. Amen. First Samuel chapter 3 and verse 3 it says the lamp of God was not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was, where the ark of God was. This, let me explain to you, this was in the tabernacle in the temple and uh, many of you know the, the kind of how the city was set up. There was this outer court, there was this inner court and then there was the Holy of Holies. Three areas of the temple and really what it was, the outer court was where everybody kind of came in, hung out and they, they did what they needed to do. They, set, they did their, their, their prayers and stuff and then they came in. The, the, the inner court was really where the priest uh, would be and this is where they would serve and this is the temple area. And then the Holy of Holies was where the Ark of the Covenant was. This is where the presence of God resided. This is where God literally was, he was in this box called the Ark of the Covenant. Many of you know this, okay? And here's what would happen. The, the priest would go into the Holy Holies, only the priest, and the, the God would speak to the priest about what was going on or what he wanted to say. Well, here's what happens. This is what the scripture says. It says that Samuel was laying close. He was in the house of the God where the ark of God was. He was close to where the presence of God was. Here's what I know. He speaks to children. He speaks to servants, but he also speaks to those who are close to him. You want to hear God's voice? Draw close to him. James chapter 4 and verse 8. Many of you know the scripture. I've preached it before. It's my favorite verse in the whole Bible. Those who come close to God, who those that draw close to God, he comes close or draws close to them. You want to hear God's voice? Draw close to God. I want to read it to you, Matthew, a scripture to you, Matthew chapter 10, verse 27. It says, when I tell you in the dark, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops. Throughout the scripture, God talks about his voice. He whispers. Why is it that he whispers? Why doesn't he yell? Why doesn't he just talk? Why doesn't he just have a normal... Why is it multiple times the Bible talks about God that he whispers? Here's what I believe. I believe he, he shows us a picture of that he whispers and his voice is a whisper. Why? Because it really shows us an example of proximity. I can only hear someone whisper if I'm close to them. If I'm in the other side of the room and somebody in the front is kind of... I have no idea what they're saying. 
What do I have to do? I have to come close to them, and then I can hear what they're saying. It's a a picture of God showing us he wants us to draw close to him because when we draw close to him, we begin to hear his voice louder than we ever would before. You want to hear God's voice. Who does he speak to? He speaks to people that are saying, God, I want to come close to you. And as we come close to God, God God comes close to us, and we hear his whispers. And the one whisper, the one whisper, will change our lives. The one whisper will refresh us and get us out of the muck of depression or anxiety or fear. The one whisper will get us to the place where we feel strengthened, where we can take on the enemy and the lies of the enemy. Now, the one whisper will get us to the point of where we say, I can trust you for my future. I know you got me and I know you hold me. And so God, I'm gonna trust you. It's the one whisper. But in order to hear the whisper, we have to come close to him. And so I encourage you, oh my goodness, I know I talk a lot about this, but it's so important. I encourage you to be a a believer, a person that says, God, I want to draw close to you. I want to spend my time drawing close to you because when I do, I hear your voice. He speaks to his children. He speaks to servants. He speaks to, he speaks to people uh, that are close to him. And then lastly, as we close today, 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. This scripture oftentimes gets skipped in this story. We talk so much about how God calls Samuel. He knows Samuel. He hear, Samuel hears him and Samuel runs to Eli and Eli knows it's God. And we oftentimes miss verse seven. Isn't this interesting? Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Meaning this. I'm serving God, but yet I still yet don't know God, and I've not yet heard his voice. Isn't it interesting? God chooses to, sh- to speak to Samuel, even though yet he had not yet known him or heard him. What does this show me? This shows me the most exciting thing about this message, and that is this. Who does he speak to? He speaks to me. He speaks to me. Samuel didn't have it all together. Samuel didn't know all the scriptures. Samuel, you could say this way if it was in our culture, Samuel may, maybe may, he hadn't heard and read the word and heard God for himself yet. Samuel may have had a few bruises and bumps throughout life. Samuel may have gone through some, some things and here's what happens. God still chose to speak to him. What does that show us? It shows us that we serve a God who desires to speak to you and I no matter where we are. This should encourage you. Why? Because it means I don't have to be perfect to hear his voice. I don't have to have my things all lined up right to hear his voice. I don't have to have been going to church for five years to hear his voice. I don't have to have read my Bible the last two years in a row for every day in order to hear his voice. No, here's what I know. Even when I haven't been hearing him. He wants to speak to me. I love it. If you go back, I'm, I'm going to really throw you off, Josh, all the way back to the very first scripture in John chapter 10 and verse 3. It says, the gatekeeper, he opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. 
The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his sheep by name. He's call, he calls Samuel by name. He calls him by name and he leads them out where he's brought them out of his own. He goes on ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Now, I love that he uses the term sheep. Now, I don't know if you know this about sheep, but sheep are actually very smart. Sheep are actually, they're known as these really dumb animals. Sheep are actually very smart and as far as in this way. They can quickly recognize voices. So they know, like you can put sheep all together. This is a true story. You can do this. You can put all sheep together from all different shepherds. The shepherds can get all, the way, all around from all different areas. And the shepherds can start speaking. And the sheep, even in all the noise, can choose where to go. And they choose that right. They choose the right way. Now, in other terms, sheep are very dumb. Sheep make some really dumb mistakes. I got a quick video I want to show you, just 20 seconds. I want to put, the, put your eyes on the screen very quickly. I want to show you what, what we're talking about when we say sheep are smart. There's no, there's no sound, so just make your own sounds. You know what I'm saying? Oh, there is sound. There is sound. Oh, I mean, that was just you. Okay, never mind. We're going to put it in slow-mo for you just so you can watch it one more time. God says we're like that. The sheep is in a ditch. Bro, you should have known it was a ditch. The guy, being a nice guy, he pulls the sheep out of the, the ditch. You'd think the sheep would be hyped. Oh, man, I'm free. Oh, man, I made it. Oh, man, I'm not in the ditch anymore. What does the sheep do? Womp, 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 back into the ditch. If that doesn't remind me of us, I don't know what does. We're in a ditch. We're in our sin. We're in our shame. We're in our guilt. We're in our mistakes. And God, we see that he came and he died on a cross and he reaches down and he pulls us out of the ditch. Oh, I'm going to preach to you for a second. He pulls us out of the ditch. Now we're free. Now we're happy. Now we have joy. Now we have peace. And so what do we do? Womp, 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 right back into the ditch. With our own mistakes, with our own stupidity, with our own immaturity, whatever you want to say. Why is this? Why is this? It's because we're human. We make mistakes. But what does this show me? Because he says, my sheep hear and know my voice. What does this show me? It shows me that I don't have to be perfect for him to speak to me. I know this. He's a God that loves me, that desires to be in relationship with me. And so even in the ditch, even in my faults, even in my mistakes, even in my insecurities, even when I'm frustrated and have doubts, even when I don't know what's going on in the future, even when I'm sick in my body and I'm frustrated, even when those things are all happening... He still desires to speak to me. He still desires to speak to you. We serve a God. Who does he speak to? Oh, he speaks to us. If anything shows us that, it shows us this with Samuel. He didn't even know the Lord, and God said, I love you so much, I want you to know my voice. He loves you. Oh, my goodness, those online, he loves you. I want you to know he wants to speak to you. You may have never heard his voice in your life. I'm believing that through this series, this month, God is going to speak to you in such a way that you're going to hear his voice. Why? Because he loves you. For those of us that have heard his voice before, I'm believing you're gonna, we're going to hear his voice louder than we ever have before.
Why? Because he's a God that loves us and he desires to speak to us. Oh, let us be a people that desire to hear his voice because he's a speaking God. And when he speaks, things change. The very things we've been praying for and struggling with and wondering about, all it takes is hearing his voice. I encourage you, let us be a people that pursue his voice. Why? Because he desires to speak to us. Amen. God, today...